Now, as I've been saying over these weeks, you were made to thrive. And for the rest of this year, we're studying what Jesus said about how we can all experience an abundant life where we can thrive. And last week, we looked at certain attitudes that Jesus said God would bless, and that blessing is a part of thriving. And these attitudes were all related to humility. Humility towards God, humility about our own struggles with sin, and then humility toward others. Well, today we're going to look at some characteristics that Jesus said would help us experience peace by making peace, because peace is a part of thriving. Now, last week I admitted to you that I had become an angry person in a certain season in my life. And as I peeled back the layers of my life, you know what I noticed? I was not very good at making peace when someone had hurt me with words or action. I just, I did not process any of those hurts. Instead, I would cover them up or I would ignore them or I would suppress my pain. And what happened is all of those hurts began to pile up and began to fester within my soul like a wound. And the pain of those unhealed wounds stirred up anger in my heart and the anger in my heart, it stole my peace. My inability to make peace was keeping me from thriving. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So when I was a pastor in Virginia, I had to ask a lay leader in my church to step down from her role. This was a, a woman in her 60s. She had a very strong driving personality, and she was creating a lot of conflict and tension in our after-school child care program. And so I had to ask her to step down and... To be honest, I probably didn't handle it real well, and she got hurt, and then she got mad, and then she started spreading misinformation about me and trying to get me fired, and of course, you, those who know me know I'm not afraid of a fight, and so I didn't back down. Oh, and did I mention her husband was the chairman of our church board too? Well, no things settled down over time. We got to the point where we would not look at each other and we wouldn't talk to each other. That's the way we handled it. Now, okay, I'm, I'm in the, like the pastor business and I know that's not the right move, right? But it's like that passive aggressive sort of ignoring. It was just where we were, you know? It was just easier to ignore the tension and to ignore her. So we ended up settling for animosity rather than making peace. So are you good at making peace? Okay, conflict is a normal part of all healthy relationships, but how we handle conflict will determine whether we will experience peace and oneness or tension and division. And in my 30 years as a pastor, I have found that most people, even people in the church, are not very good at making peace. In fact, our pastoral care pastors tell me that the number one issue damaging marriages in our church is couples' inability to handle conflict in a productive way. Your ability to make peace will greatly determine your ability to experience an abundant life where you can thrive. So let's look at what Jesus said about making peace. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. 
Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus said, blessed, blessed, blessed. So let's make sure we remember how we defined blessed last week. If you remember that word, blessed comes from the Greek word that is often translated as either blessed or happy, and it literally means to feel happiness due to divine favor. And so divine favor occurs when God is for us, and when God is for us, that's what makes us thrive, and when we thrive, we feel happy. And that is the abundant life. The abundant life is not about abundant wealth. The abundant life is not about the absence of pain or suffering or conflict. The abundant life is about the ability to feel peace no matter what. And Jesus pointed to certain characteristics that he said if we had these characteristics, God would bless us so that we would feel peace and thrive. So let's go back through these characteristics. The first one he mentions in verse 7 where he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, what you have to understand is in the Roman culture of Jesus' day, people despised showing mercy. They viewed showing mercy as a sign of weakness. You know, like the Cobra Kai dudes from Karate Kid, whose motto was, no mercy. (laughs) But Jesus said that God would bless merciful people. Merciful people make peace with those who have hurt them by forgiving them. And according to Jesus, the benefit of being merciful is that God would reciprocate and be merciful toward us. Jesus clarified this posture that God blesses even more at the end of the Lord's Prayer where he said, this is Matthew chapter 6, for if you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, then your Father will not forgive your sins. Rut row. So what is Jesus, what is he talking about in this, uh, these teachings about mercy and forgiveness? Well, first, let's make sure we know what he's not talking about. Jesus is not saying that if you don't forgive others that you lose your salvation. You are made right with God through your faith in Jesus Christ, not because of any act on your own, period. Well, then what does Jesus mean when he says, well, if I don't forgive, then God's not going to forgive me. Okay, when, when Jesus means this, when we ask God's forgiveness, there's a benefit that comes with that, which is the release of the burden of guilt in our lives. And the moment we decide not to forgive others, we remain under the burden of that guilt until we choose to forgive. And if we refuse to forgive others, then we choose to remain under the burden of guilt. And, and get this, give it, living with guilt And resentment and bitterness, does that make your life better? No, it makes it worse. And so what Jesus is teaching us is that we should be merciful. And then we will find mercy. And in both cases, we will then thrive. 
Second characteristic he mentions in verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So according to Jesus, pursuing peace with people who have sinned against us begins in the heart. And in Jesus' day, the heart, uh, the heart was a metaphor for our minds, our wills, and our emotions. And so Jesus is saying, in essence, this to us. If you want peace in your life, start with your heart. Peace inside leads to peace outside. So I want you to think about a relationship where there is tension, conflict, and maybe even animosity, a lack of peace. I want you to really think of someone right now. It may be a coworker, a family member, a neighbor, or a friend. This is the person that you dread seeing. This is the person when you're walking down the hallway at work, if you see that person coming, you turn around and go the other way, that person. Now, Jesus wants you, yes, some of you are smiling. Jesus wants you to make peace with that person. And pursuing peace, it starts with our hearts. No matter who did what or who started what. So what does it mean to start with our hearts? Well, we have to test our own motives, our own, like did we have any wrong motives, wrong desires? Did we speak any wrong words? Because we have to own our part. So it begins with that. And then we need to be merciful. Even if the other person started it, even if what the other person did was more hurtful than what I may have done in response. We need to be merciful and forgive the person of the wrong. Start in your heart. When you get peace inside, that's what leads to peace everywhere, no matter what. Next, Jesus tells us that people with pure hearts pursue peace by making peace. This is verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of of God. Now, I'm a child of the 60s and the 70s. And when I was young, we proudly, you know, did peace signs to each other and we wore peace signs on our shirts and we had cool sayings like make love, not war, man, and give peace a chance. Yeah, we were awesome. <laughs> well, over the years, I've observed Two broad dysfunctional ways that people tend to respond to conflict that do not lead to peace. There are the peacekeepers and there are the peace bullies. So what are these kinds of, of uh, peacemakers that don't work? Well, the peacekeepers are avoiders. They deal with conflict by not dealing with conflict. You know what I'm saying? They will leave a relationship where there's conflict because they don't want to have to deal with the conflict or they'll change the subject in a conversation to bypass conflict. They suppress conflict within themselves. And so peacekeepers often struggle with the passive-aggressive expressions of anger like sarcasm, negative words, little acts of contempt, and even depression. Peacekeepers... Create an environment where it looks like there's peace, but everybody knows there, it really isn't. Instead, you know what it really is? It's an environment with resentment and bitterness, seething beneath the surface. But oh, on the outside, it looks like peace, but everybody knows it's not true. So what are the, what's the other kind of peacemaker? The other kind of peacemaker that doesn't work is the peace bully. Peace bullies fight. 
Peace bullies respond to conflict by seeking to win the conflict in inappropriate ways. They may use their anger, they may power up with their personality, or at worst, even be physical. They may stir up division, they may gossip, they may rally people to their side. Peace bullies pummel people into peace. <laughs> and it doesn't work, does it? That's not real peace. So what is peace? How do we make peace? Well, the Hebrew word translated peace is the word shalom. And what's interesting about shalom is shalom is not a passive word. It's an active word. And let me tell you why that's significant. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Okay, I want you to wrap, wrap your brains around that. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the pursuit of unity and oneness in the face of conflict. And so peacemakers pursue peace where there is conflict and division. And according to Jesus, this is what I want you to get, peace just doesn't happen. If you want peace, you got to make peace. And then finally, Jesus surfaces a kind of peace that is particularly difficult to pursue. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, I, su I suspect that most of us will not face the blatant persecution like Jesus described here. But I know some of us have faced some deeply hurtful words and actions done against us. And here Jesus addresses what happens when the hurt done against us is so extreme, where it is abusive, where it is life-altering, where it is evil. I know some of your stories, and I still feel shaken when I hear about the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, and at times even sexual abuse that some of you have endured. And to make matters even worse, some of you face that abuse at the hands of people who should have protected you. So what do you do when the hurt is so deep? What do you do when the pain is so intense and the betrayal is so shocking? Well, first of all, I want you to know you did not do anything wrong to deserve the abuse. Do you understand that? Jesus pointed to the prophets as examples of good people who experienced some very bad stuff. And they didn't do anything wrong. And neither did you. Secondly, know that God did not want you to suffer. Just because something happened does not mean that God wanted it to happen. You see, God created free beings with free wills. And sometimes free people with free wills will choose to do terrible things. And that does not mean that God wanted it to happen or that he caused it to happen. And finally, Jesus does promise in these verses that one day God is going to make all things right. So you don't have to today. And I think if we can live with that perspective, we can find peace today.
I think making peace or experiencing peace means trusting God to make things right one day. I think it means trusting the God who even allowed the terrible things to happen. And ultimately, making peace involves forgiving those who hurt you. You feel peace when you make peace. Peace with God and peace with others, even people who have hurt you deeply. And when you feel peace, that's when you thrive. And perhaps the most important truth that I have learned about making peace is this. Peacemakers take the initiative to make peace. Peacemakers get their hearts pure about people toward whom they're feeling animosity, and then they make peace by taking the initiative. So let me explain what I mean. So remember the older lady uh, who I had a conflict with in my church in Virginia? Okay. So in our church in Virginia, we had a a sanctuary uh, building like this, and there was a long hallway out the back of it. And the choir would stand, stand along the, the hallway preparing to enter uh, for the services. And it just so happened one, one Sunday that I needed to go down that hallway to my office and get something. And it just so happened that that woman, yeah, that woman was in the choir. And so I'm walking down the hallway and I see that woman. And oh, I wanted to kick her in the shin so bad. But I sensed the Lord say to me, hug her. And you know how in a few seconds you can have this argument that goes on in your brain with with something you think God's, no way, man. She started it. She started it. I didn't do nothing. And I sensed the Lord say to me, hug her. And so I walked up to her and she backed a step away. (laughs) And I reached out and I hugged her. And at first, she wouldn't hug me back, but I held on. And then she hugged me back. And I want you to know, the tension just sort of of melted away. And we made peace. And uh, I'm not going to tell you if you hug people you're mad at that it'll all turn out great. But I I will say this to you. If you want to have peace, you got to make peace. And peacemakers take the initiative. It doesn't matter who started what. You know what I'm saying? If you want peace, make peace and take the initiative. Peacemakers forgive quickly. Peacemakers make amends quickly. In other words, when you know you're in the wrong, peacemakers admit it, they confess it, and they go make things right. And I want us to be a church filled with peacemakers. Peacemakers take the risk of initiating peace Get this, even when we don't feel like it. A few years ago in July of 2015, dozens of white supremacists gathered in a racially charged city of Columbia, South Carolina. Just one month earlier, another white supremacist had opened fire at the Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, killing nine African Americans gathered for a prayer meeting. But these white supremacists had gathered to protest the removal of the Confederate flag from the state capitol. And while the protesters shouted white power and other racially charged abusive words, the atmosphere became tense with opposing crowds shouting at each other. 
out of this intense and divisive situation, a peacemaker arose. The grueling heat of the summer sun had overwhelmed an elderly white supremacist with a swastika on his t-shirt. And so a black Carolina state trooper named Leroy Smith noticed the plight of the ailing racist and he took the initiative. He walked over to that man and he put his arm around him and carried him, walked with him up 40 steps to get him into air-conditioned space. And all along the way, Officer Smith spoke words of encouragement saying, don't worry, we're going to make it. I won't let go. Just keep going. A bystander noticed the amazing act of kindness and snapped this shot with his cell phone. That Twitter photo went viral. When asked why a black officer would help a white supremacist with a swastika on his t-shirt, Leroy Smith said this, love. I think that's the greatest thing in the world, love. And that's why so many people were moved by it. So think about this. A peace officer who swore an oath to make peace took the initiative and paved the way for peace. He protected a person who, with whom he didn't even agree. He took the initiative. And he serves as a great example to all of us. And according to Jesus, okay, if you want to have peace, you got to make peace. And making peace involves taking the initiative, even with people who may not feel the same way about you. It's okay. We're here to be peacemakers. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Choose to be a peacemaker in this life. My hope and my prayer is that this church would be a church filled with peacemakers who would go out into our world and fill it with peace. So I'm asking you to go home and make peace there. I'm asking you to go back to your workplaces and back to your schools and make peace there. I'm asking you to make peace in your neighborhoods because if we want to have peace, we're going to have to make peace. And so who do you need to make peace with today? Let's pray together. And I do want you to think of that person with whom you need to make peace. Because I'm asking you to make peace with that person when you leave this building. And so, Lord Jesus, we do believe you are the Prince of Peace. And you came to teach us how we could all experience peace. Even in this life, even when there is conflict and sometimes even painful situations. And so, Lord, some of us right now have a person in mind, maybe more than one person, with whom we know we need to make peace. And so, Lord, my prayer is that you would show us how do we take the initiative to make peace with this person? Is it a word? Is it a, uh, do we need to meet with the person? Do we need to you know, just like, Lord, like you gave me a word and you, you, you prompted me to hug that woman. Give us a sense of direction. What do we need to do to make peace? And then, Lord, give us the courage and the faith to step out to take the initiative and to make peace. And, Lord, as we make peace, let us experience peace so that we can thrive in life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.